First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Good morning, Vaughn. Uh, good morning, Simi. Just to list all the stuff that happened yesterday would take up more time than we have this morning. So, oh, okay. yes, where shall we start? <laughs> well, okay, let's start with yesterday. You know, we knew that Anjali Apadurai had been had just been disqualified. So I guess it's the beginning of the David Eby era. Yeah, we're getting uh, the Eby launch today, I guess. He's going to be officially proclaimed uh, leader, uh, winning winner of uh, a leadership race in which he turned out to be the only candidate. And he's doing a media conference mid-morning where he's going to lay out a hundred days of action under the, the EB administration. So he, you may remember when he started off, he said no radical departures. So from the Horgan era, but he's now saying we're going to speed up everything. So 100 days of action, looking ahead, this will take him from a handover that's expected in November, early November, maybe November the 8th, when he becomes premier, points a cabinet, and then that'll take them through to the dates on the calendar in February for a throne speech and budget from the EB administration. So he's going to be active. He's going to be busy. Um, Look, after the mess of that leadership race, EB needs to turn the page and turn it quickly. Okay, it sounds like that's what they're going to do. What about the the kind of relationship between David EB and Anjali Apadurai at this point? Well, (laughs) EB did a media conference yesterday afternoon, and... I don't know. It was one of those crocodile tears moments for me. He says, you know, he's saddened by what happened. He thinks nobody in the party expected this, uh, that she'd be out. Oh, gee, you know, he hopes her supporters stay with the party. And he even let slip that he thinks, you know, Abitra is the kind of person that might make a good MLA someday. Well, you know, (laughs) go back to that report from Elizabeth Call the CEO. David Eby's fingerprints are all over the evidence that led the party to get rid of Apadurai as a candidate. Eby's campaign made three major submissions to Cull explaining why she shouldn't be allowed. And talk about helpful. The Eby campaign provided Cull with a tape recording and a transcript of the key August the 6th meeting that Cull ended up saying was where Apatari went off the rails in terms of her dealing with third parties. So, come on. <laughs> yeah. Sorry she's out of the race, think she's make a good MLA. Evie's fingerprints are all over Simi, all over a report that basically says Abadurai can't be trusted, and he thinks she'd make a good MLA. I, I was really struck. This is not a good way 
to start off with a clean slate as leader of the NDP. Okay, but I, I also the conversation that he must have had with Angela Apadurai, because she had some kind of mollifying words as well. She actually behaved better than he did, right? And and better than the New Democrats did. We we had to wait until late yesterday. Our, our colleagues had to wait. I finally left because she was late getting to Victoria. But, uh, you know, she said uh, right now she's not leaving the NDP. Um, she said she had a good conversation with EB, and uh, she didn't rule out legal action. So it's possible she will still end up challenging this decision. But, uh, you know, if she had simply stormed off and taken all of her supporters with her yesterday, given the amount of anger that's out there among them, uh, wouldn't have been out of line for her to have done that. So give her credit for trying to mend the fences for now, uh, especially, as I said, given EB's role in getting rid of her. Right. Okay. So there was a lot of talk about this yesterday, whether it was David Eby, Angela Appadire, but also John Horgan. So we got a John Horgan availability, and he chose to do it at the Golden Gates in the legislature building. So that's right outside the legislature chamber. When When you look at the backdrop, you're looking in the chamber. So he did that. So Horgan started off, I mean, we all know he's leaving. And Uh, We all know that he's lost a lot of his taste for the job, too. But he started off doing the dutiful thing for the NDP. He defended the decision, um, you know, said that uh, defended the party executive, said, you know, they knew what they're doing. Sure, they acted in good faith. And it's going along pretty well. And I'm thinking, well, this is one last service to the party. The premier didn't need to do this. (laughs) He didn't have a lot to do with this decision. But there he is doing his bit for the party. However... However, as it goes along, the old John Horgan emerges, and finally we get this outburst about thuggery by environmental activists for harassing the party executive, and then he just walks out. I'm done here, and he storms off down the hallway, I gather, muttering curses as he went. Okay, interesting. Does this perhaps go back to also uh, when the activists, remember when they were at his house? Yeah. No, no, and I, I think, think that's a, sen- right. a bit of a sensitive spot there. Look, uh, John, Hargan, John Horgan does come from the hard hat wearing wing of the NDP. Uh, you know, his ties are to the construction unions and forest unions and all that. And his he's never had much sympathy for the militant environmental activists. You're right. They came to his house. Uh, They glue themselves to the roadways. They have no sympathy for indigenous people engaged in logging. Uh, They want to shut down uh, the LNG industry in the province. And of course, all those people are behind Apadurai. So, no, I, I think it was a genuine John Horgan outburst, uh, a, a guy who has much to be proud of from his time as premier, not least his polling numbers these days. But you also saw a flash of the old angry John Horgan that we knew got to know quite well when he was in opposition. And so was that it now? What is the next transitionary process like here? So I think... Uh, you know, I hear you're having Horgan on for one of his exit interviews yeah. on Monday, so I expect he'll have his a little Fingers chat crossed. with his anger management counselor before that. <laughs> but um, it, 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 basically, I think what happens now, I mean, first of all, E.B. starts laying out what he's going to do next. Um, E.B. will not have spent a bunch of time yet talking to people in the caucus about such issues as are you running in the next election? 
Uh, here's what I think you should be doing in cabinet, writing up new mandate letters for cabinet ministers. It does take time to do that. It takes time for the the incoming premier to decide on the lineup of staff in his office. I mean, we've already heard that some of the staffers that were close to Horgan will be leaving or reassigned. E.B. will have his own team. That's going to take a little while. And and because we didn't know until this week for sure that the transition would be happening soon, remember the party had set a deadline of December the 3rd, I think that'll all be expedited. What we're hearing, Simi, is that they will do it during the week when the legislature is not sitting. So the House is not sitting the week of November the 7th. Probably it will be the 8th or the 9th of that week. So when the House adjourns at uh, the end of the week after next, it'll be Premier John Horgan. When it comes back in um, later in November, it will be Premier David Eby. And I don't know how long the House will sit under Eby. He, they may just wrap up this fall's business, adjourn, and Eby say, okay, you know, the, uh, the 100 days of action comes along, Simi, and then we go to throne speech and budget. Those dates are written into legislation. So throne speech right. and budget in February. Right. But even interesting, you were pointing out that they've got this 100-point action plan that they're going to be doing. Do you think any of this was impacted by what we saw happen in municipal elections that they feel perhaps they need to be seen as doing more? Yeah. I mean, look, any thought of an early election for now is on hold. And he said he wasn't interested in that anyway, but you know they were considering it. Uh, But what happened to all the incumbents in British Columbia across the political spectrum and around the province Uh, there's two things that came through from that election. One, uh, the public is not impressed just because you're an incumbent coming to you and saying re-elect. They're not impressed with that. And second of all, there's a bunch of issues out there that need action, that people expect action on, not promises, not more meetings, not more consultations, but action. And EB is going to be challenged to do that because this has not been a fast-moving activist government really uh, for the last few months uh, when they started to enter transition, at least in their minds, um, as Horgan started to think that he wasn't going to run again. Very interesting. All right. Thank you, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simi.